one of the difficult things you're going to face is actually convincing the property management company to actually come out to the property with you because they're not necessarily going to want to waste an afternoon touring property to someone who's never done a deal before. And we've talked about how to overcome that objection in previous syndication school episodes. How great would it be to buy a piece of institutional quality income producing commercial buildings? Well, now you can with Building Bits. It's not a REIT or a fund. Building Bits is a new platform for non-accredited investors where virtually anyone, regardless of income, can select a building lease to a major corporation with a guaranteed long-term lease. You can now invest in the same quality assets, which have previously only been available to institutions and wealthy individuals. Once you choose your building on BuildingBits.com, you can invest as little as $500 and receive your share of the rents while BuildingBits' team of real estate pros handles all the management aspects of the building. For the first time, the big corporations in America can actually start paying you. And when the building is sold in the future, the potential appreciation is redistributed to everyone so you don't just get the rental income, but also share in the upside. Best of all, since these securities are SEC qualified, they are freely tradable immediately. The $500 minimum with no upfront fees is available for a limited time. There are great properties available nationwide with major tenants, so don't wait. Go to buybits.us today and pick your property before they're all sold out of their current inventory. That's buybits.us. That's buy, B-U-I, bits, B-I-T-S, dot U-S. The SEC offering circular is available at buildingbits.com. There needed to be a resource on apartment syndication that not only talked about each aspect of the syndication process, but how to actually do each of the things and go into it in detail. And we thought, hey, why not make it free too? That's why we launched Syndication School, and Theo Hicks will go through a particular aspect of apartment syndication on today's episode and get into the details of how to do that particular thing. Enjoy this episode. And for more on apartment syndication and how to do things, go to apartmentsyndication.com or to learn more about the apartment syndication school, go to syndicationschool.com so you can listen to all the previous episodes. Hi, best of your listeners. Welcome back. To another episode of the Syndication School series, a free resource focused on the how-tos of apartment syndication. As always, I'm your host, Theo Hicks. As you know, each week we air two podcast episodes that are typically a part of a larger series that focus on a specific aspect of the apartment syndication investment strategy. And for the majority of these series, we will offer some sort of document or spreadsheet resource for you to download for free. All of these free documents, as well as these free Syndication School podcast series, can be found at syndicationschool.com. This week is going to conclude the eight-part series about how to underwrite a value-add apartment deal. So as a refresher, what we've learned so far is steps one through seven of this eight-step process for how to underwrite a value at apartment deal. In step one, we learned how to read through the offering a memorandum. In step two, we inputted the rent roll into our cash flow calculator. And if you want to have a starting point for a cash flow calculator, you can go ahead and download the free simplified cash flow calculator for underwriting value at apartment deals at syndicationschool.com. Step three was to input the T12 into your cash flow calculator. 
Step four is to set the assumptions for how the property will operate once we've taken over. Step five is to determine an offer price based off of steps one through four. Step six is to perform an online rental comparable analysis. And step seven, which was yesterday's episode, we discussed how to perform the phone call or in-person rental comparable analysis. Now, I highly recommend, if you haven't done so already, pausing this episode and going back and starting all the way back at part one of this series and listening from there because step eight is going to kind of culminate the entire series and we're going to talk about that last step as well as kind of discuss just the overall thought process for underwriting apartment deals. So let's jump right into it. With step eight, the final step being to actually visit the property in person. So... I know this might be a headache and kind of frustrating to do, especially if the property is out of state or if you're looking at five or 10 deals at once and you got to spend an entire week's worth of time visiting properties. But at the end of the day, since we're dealing with other people's money, we got to just kind of suck it up and make that trip out to the property because that's going to be the only true way and the best way to get a clear understanding of the property's current condition as well as the surrounding market. There's other ways to do it. You can call up the property. You can look up the property's website, look up the property in apartments.com. You can even do a Google Earth street view walk of the property. But at the end of the day, your best bet is to actually go out there to the property, drive around the area to get a feel for the area as well as to get a clear picture of the actual condition of the property. Now, since most of you either haven't done a deal before, I've only done a few deals, but none of this largest magnitude, you're probably going to want to go visit the property with someone else. And again, someone else is going to be your property management company or your consultant or a contractor you've met, but you're going to want to go out there with someone who actually knows what they're looking at. So let me give you an example. I remember one of the first properties I toured, I went there And I actually drove the property with my wife and I thought, this is a solid deal. It's got a little bit of deferred maintenance, but nothing that's going to cost an extraordinary amount of money. They're all going to be simple fixes and I'll be able to focus most of my money on improving the interiors. And then if that's the case, I got this small exterior budget, I'll be able to get a great return. And so then after that, I set up a formal tour because I actually get inside of the units because I hadn't seen the inside of a unit yet. And I invited my property management company to come with me and we pull up. And the first thing she says to me is how she is familiar with the people who own this property. And so she knows how they operate their property and what to look for. And by the end of the trip, she had 10 things that she saw that I hadn't noticed that were essentially deal breakers. Because I'm looking for a deal that doesn't have as much deferred maintenance. and It's not going to require fixing things that are code violations and stuff like that. So without bringing my property management representative, I might have purchased that property and not been able to meet the returns of my investors and maybe even lost their money. That's why it's important to go there with someone that actually knows what they're doing and has experience actually touring properties so they can catch things that you will actually miss. Now, of course, one of the difficult things you're going to face is actually convincing the property management company to actually come out to the property with you because they're not necessarily going to want to waste an afternoon touring property with someone who's never done a deal before. And we've talked about how to overcome that objection in previous syndication school episodes, specifically the series about building a team. Now, this is going to be different than the actual due diligence you do after the property under contract, 
that's going to be much more intensive and require multiple vendors and contractors to come out to the property and do the inspection and the appraisal and the environmental summary and the property condition assessment. It costs thousands and thousands of dollars. This is different. Essentially, your goal when visiting the property in person is to confirm your renovation assumptions and determine if there's any major issue at the property that will disqualify the deal from contention. It's allowing you to catch those two things before you put the property under contract and put up your earnest deposit and spend all that money on the inspections and the appraisals. As well as all the time of kind of going through that as well and potentially missing an opportunity to find another deal. Now, you should probably plan to spend half a day to a full day going through this in-person evaluation of the property and the surrounding market. First part is going to be spending your time at the actual subject property, the property that you're trying to buy. And then the next part of your half day can be spent assessing the surrounding area, as well as, if you haven't done so already in the previous step, visiting a couple of rental comps in person. Now, make sure you bring a notepad and your smartphone with you because these are going to be your external memory banks because if you're going to be visiting multiple comps or if you're visiting multiple properties within a few weeks span, then you don't want to get things mixed up. So you're going to want to have your notepad to take notes and your camera to, to take pictures. And that way, you're going to be able to remember everything that you heard and that you saw because you've got it written down and you've got pictures of it. Next, and again, this is... Something that's not necessarily super important, but it won't necessarily sway whether or not you get the deal or not. Because if you're doing the in-person rental comp analysis, this could sway how convincing your Broadway performance is. If you are looking in a C-class area and you go visit the property, tell your property in suit and tie because you want to impress your property management company. Maybe there's no owner there, you're talking to whatever. And then you're kind of posing as a resident at the rental comps and you roll up in a suit and tie trying to rent a C-class apartment. They're probably not going to take you seriously. So I'm not saying that you should go there and wear basketball shorts and a t-shirt, which you might be able to do if you want to. I guess that could work. But dress based off of the situation. So if it's C-class, maybe wear a t-shirt and jeans. If it's a college town, maybe your college hoodie and some jeans. Suit and tie might not be the best approach regardless, but again, to each their own. This is not a requirement or necessary. It's just something else to think about. So that's kind of the upfront planning. Once you actually arrive at the property, the first thing you're going to want to do is, depending on how large the property is, either drive around or walk around the community and take notes and pictures of the exteriors. Now the purpose of this exercise is to evaluate the condition of those big ticket exterior items. So you want to take a look at the roofs and determine if there's any visible signs of wear and tear or the gutters and the fascia. Take a look at the parking lots. Is the parking lot recently restriped or repaired or is it pretty faded and there's lots of cracks and you can't necessarily see any parking lines? Something else that's very important is going to be the landscaping. So take pictures and look and get a general feel of the landscaping. Does it look like they're maintained really well? Does it look like they just spent a lot of money to improve the landscaping? Or are there a lot of dirt patches or dry spots or no grass at all or dying flowers? Or the guardrails around certain parts of the garden are falling over. The little wood planks. Next, you're going to look at the overall exterior condition. So take a look at the siding or if it's brick or whatever it is. Is there siding falling off? Is the paint faded? Or was the property recently painted? Take a look at the clubhouse and see was it recently renovated? Is it very outdated? What types of things are offered in the clubhouse? And then you also want to get a feel for the overall amenities. So is there a pool? And then again, condition of the pool. 
Is there a fitness center? Because there's a fitness center. Things like that. And then something else we're going to look at too is the signage. So that's going to be the monument sign that you should greet you and should notify you that you're actually at the property. So it should be visible. So is it visible or is it not visible? Because you may need to relocate that sign. Is the sign nice? Is the landscape around the sign nice? Is it aesthetically pleasing or is it really ugly and it kind of made you want to turn away the second you saw it? More than likely, if you're doing a value-add business plan and you're buying a property, you're probably going to want to move away from the current reputation. So you're probably going to want to redo the signage anyways, but it'd be nice to have the option to not have to install a brand new monument sign, maybe just change the wording on there, but that'll be determined by the pictures you've taken of the sign. And really anything else that's specific to the property. So if there's something else you want to take a look at is the external HVAC. So you can kind of eyeball those and say, oh, those are pretty new, or oh my God, those are probably the original units to the property. And really anything else that would be a big ticket deferred maintenance item that wouldn't necessarily be something that would give you that ROI. So replacing the roofs is not necessarily going to be able to market brand new roofs to your residents and then charge $5 more per month in rent for that. So these are things that aren't necessarily going to give you an ROI, but these are just deferred maintenance items. So the whole purpose of this is to confirm that the condition of these big ticket line items align with your underwriting assumptions. So if you didn't expect to replace the roofs and you go there and the roofs are in really bad condition, then you're going to have to go back and figure out, okay, there's this many roofs. It's probably going to cost around this much to repair or replace all those roofs. It's not going to increase my exterior renovation budget by X amount. So that's what you'll do before. So at this point, you want to make a note that, okay, the roofs are in bad condition. I need to make a repair. And then you go back and look at your underwriting and say, okay, well, I said I'm not going to repair the roofs and then make that adjustment. So once you've done that and you've kind of done your walk or drive around the property, the next step is going to be to visit the clubhouse and find the property management company. For this, it doesn't necessarily have to be a formal tour. I've done this analysis myself where I just go to the property without actually talking to anyone. I kind of just show up. And I just walk into the clubhouse and I start talking to the private management company as a buyer. But you would also do it, again, as a prospective resident. It works better if you say you're actually interested in buying the property. Because if it's listed for sale, they know and expect people to come around. And you can ask better questions. Because if you're posing as a tenant and you ask them what the occupancy rate is of the property, they're going to be like, why does that matter to you? So for these lists of questions, I'm going to go over to ask the property management company. It's better to actually either be doing a formal tour or to do this on your own and actually approach the manager as someone who's interested in investing in the property. Now, in some cases, there might be something written in the OM against this. So it kind of really depends. It's kind of up to you how you want to approach this. But... The goal is to go to the property management company and before you actually tour anything, you want to ask them a list of questions about the property's operations. And technically, you could do this kind of along the way too. So you don't want to sit there with your list of questions and be like, all right, I got 10 questions to ask. Let's go boom, 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 boom. It could be things that you naturally bring up during the actual tour. So again, just kind of play it by ear. You don't want it to be too robotic. But here's some of the things that you want to know about. You want to know how long they've been the property. Because a property that's had the same management company for 10 years is going to be different than a property that's had management change every few years. Because why are they leaving? It's because they're bad. And if they were bad, what negative repercussions are still reverberating from those bad managers? Or is it because the owner didn't want to fix anything and then there's going to be more deferred maintenance? So you can learn a lot about learning how long they've been the property for. Ask them what the occupancy rate is currently. Because sometimes you're going to get a rent roll that's maybe a month or two old. And it's not going to give you a clear snapshot of what the occupancy is currently at the property. Ask them 
how's the property operated over the past year. Again, not asking for specifics, like the NOI was this, because you already have that, but just a general overall feel, like, oh, things are getting better, we're renovating units, and occupancy's been really strong. Ask them what's been the lowest occupancy since they've been at the property. Ask them how many people are calling in each week to rent a unit to get an understanding of the demand. Ask if the amenities that you saw or that you've discovered online are getting a lot of traffic from residents. So are residents actually going to the fitness center? Are residents actually swimming in the pool? Ask them what's the overall demographic of the residents. So are they students, young professionals, blue-collar workers, senior citizens, or families, things like that. Ask them when was the last time the roofs were repaired and last time the parking lots were repaired and last time HVAC was replaced, siding was repaired. And, and ask them also if there's any deferred maintenance of the property and about the bad debt situation. Those two things are more just to kind of confirm what you know already because you're going to be asking the broker for this information or it could be listed in the OM, but you want to confirm, okay, the OM says the roofs were replaced two years ago. Let's ask the management company, oh, the roofs weren't replaced two years ago. All right, well, what else is not true on the OM? You can ask them about the crime situation at the property because that might mean that you need to install security at the property after you take over. Ask them who their biggest competitor is and you probably want to go visit them to take a look at what they're doing better than the subject property. Ask them why people decide to rent here instead of at the competition and kind of see what they say. Ask them what types of units are in demand in the area. Say you've done a great job here. If I gave you $100,000 or $150,000 or a million dollars, depending on the size of the property, besides making sure you were compensated for your work, how would you spend it to fix or improve the community? And then lastly, what did I forget to ask you? What else is there to know about the property? Kind of anything else that I need to know before moving forward. Now, all these questions are one to kind of confirm the information you know already to see if you can uncover any new pieces of information, but also you are going to want to kind of determine, hey, this property management company has turned things around here and is doing really well and answer these questions great. And I asked them what they would do if I gave them a bunch of money and they give me some really great ideas. Maybe I want to keep them on as managers rather than bringing in someone else. So these questions accomplish a lot. So after you go through these list of questions, the next thing you want to do is ask if they have a clubhouse for a tour of the clubhouse. So take notes and pictures along the way. And in your notes and in your pictures, you're looking for things like the condition of the clubhouse, what types of amenities are offered. Is there a kitchen? Is there a sauna? Is there easy access to the pool? Is there a conference room or business center? Can I determine the level of updates or innovations that they have in the clubhouse? Determine do you need to do anything or will you need to actually do some renovations? And again, all this is to confirm your renovation budget. So going in, you thought that you need to spend hundred grand on the clubhouse. Maybe after touring it, you realize you don't need to spend anything. Or you realize you need to spend five times as much. Next, you're going to want to actually tour some of the units. You're not going to be able to tour every single unit at this point, nor do you really want to. But typically, they'll have some set units or a model unit for you to actually take a look at. So while you're touring these units, again, take notes and pictures. Things you want to look for are how the conditions of the units, the interiors, compare with the unit type that the property manager said it was in demand. So they say that their highly renovated units are in demand, and all the units they show you are actually the really nice units, then isn't necessarily true because the unit is vacant and you're looking at one of their nicer units and they claim that they're in demand, why is no one living in there? Something else that residents really like are big closets, so take a look at the closets and see how large they are, and if they're walk-in closets, even better. You also want to see things like open floor plans. Those are kind of in demand right now. One of the most important things you want to see is what's the level of renovation in the unit and does that align with your underwriting assumptions? 
So at this point, you've said I need to maybe install new appliances and I need to replace the floors and I need to install new cabinet doors and new lights. And you've got a budget for that. But you actually see the unit and realize that a lot more needs to be done, then you're going to have to make a note of that and go back and adjust your renovation budget. And then lastly, just write down what's the main highlights or selling point of the unit just for your remembering. And like, all right, so the best thing about the unit is really open floor plan. So after you tour these units, the actual evaluation of the apartment community is completed. Well, one more thing about touring the unit. So again, you're going to be seeing a model unit, most likely, or a vacant unit that's recently repaired or it was really nice and clean. Something you can do is ask to see the worst unit at the property. That way you kind of get an idea, okay, what they're showing me is probably the best they have to offer. But what's the worst? Because if I'm basing my renovations off of assuming all the units are like this, and then when I actually do the unit walk, when I put the private under contract, and this is really the only nice unit, then you're going to be in a little bit of trouble. So something you can ask too is to see the worst unit at the property. Maybe they'll show it to you, but maybe they won't. If they don't show it to you, then at least you can ask, how does the worst unit at the property compare to this property? It's probably not going to be the full truth, but there should be some kernels of truth in there. And you can kind of get an idea of how they respond, of whether or not the unit's decent, it's just needs to be upgraded, or if it's a complete disaster. And then how many units are like that? So once you've done this tour, thank the property management company or the property manager you're speaking with for their time and prepare for the next step of the evaluation, which is going to be to get in your car and drive two miles north, two miles to the south, two miles to the east, and two miles to the west from the property. Preferably have this mapped out before you actually go to the property tour and take notes and pictures of what you see. And ideally don't do this while you're driving because <laughs> I don't want anyone crashing their car and then referencing this episode in some sort of lawsuit. So when you're going to be taking your pictures, either have someone with you or stop your car, do it at a red light or whatever. But things you kind of want to look out for is what's the distance between the apartment and the closest retail center? Is it a new retail center or is it an old retail center? What is the demographic of the people that are walking around this area? And does that align with the demographic of people at your apartment community? Something else you can do too is to find the closest place like a Starbucks or Chipotle or a Walmart or McDonald's and see how far that is from the community. Same thing, is it new or old? And is the demographic of people that are walking around similar to the demographic of people that are supposed to be in demand at your property? At the end of the day, Chipotle, McDonald's, and those types of places have done some pretty in-depth market analysis before they open a new location. So again, you don't want to just buy properties, buy Chipotles. You still have to do your underwriting analysis and your market analysis, but that is a positive sign if there's a Chipotle or a McDonald's or a Starbucks nearby, if that's the demographic of your property, of course. And then the last thing you want to do is, if you haven't done so already in the previous step, um, go ahead and visit those rent comps. And you're going to either, again, if you haven't done the phone call or in-person rent comp analysis yet, then you're going to want to do that there. Or you're just going to want to just drive around the property and take pictures of the exteriors because you already have an idea of the interiors as well. Just kind of do what you did for the subject property. So look at the big ticket items, look at the amenities, and determine how those compare to the subject property in order to confirm that it actually is a comp. And again, if you haven't done that phone call or in-person rent comp analysis yet, you're going to do that and pose as a resident or pose as someone who's looking for a unit for their son or daughter and go ahead and tour some of those units to get an understanding of the interiors compared to the renovation plan you have for the subject property to make sure that those are aligned. After that, you can go home, 
kind of go through your notes, go through your pictures, and go ahead and kind of compare everything that you actually uncovered to your current underwriting assumptions and make any adjustments if necessary. Now, one thing before we leave that I like to do, especially if your property management company or contractor or consultant doesn't agree to tour the property with you, is to, at this point, while you're actually at the property, you're going to want to go ahead and take a picture of all of the things that you think you need to do to the property. So when you're driving on the property or walking the property, take a picture of the roofs, take a picture of the siding, take a picture of the HVAC, take a picture of the parking lot, take a picture of the landscaping, the signage, the siding, anything that you think you need to do renovations to. Same thing for the interior. So when you visit that unit, take a picture of the kitchen, take a picture of the bathroom, take a picture of the water heater, take a picture of the floors, take a picture of the closet, the lights, things like that. Again, anything that you think you're going to need to renovate at the unit. And then same thing when you're walking the clubhouse. And then when you go home, what I do is I make like a PowerPoint presentation. So I do a slide that says exterior renovations. And then each of the slides after that are pictures of the roof. And then I say that there's this many buildings. The roofs are about this size. I think it's going to cost this much to repair. Here's the siding. There's this many buildings. I think it's going to cost this much to paint. Here's the parking lot. The parking lot has this many spaces. It's this big. Here's how much I think it's going to cost to repair. Once I exhaust all of my exterior items, I do the same thing for the interior. So I go interior. Here's a picture of the kitchen. I think we're going to put in new countertops, new appliances, new lights, new cabinet fronts. Here's how much I think it's going to cost. For the bathrooms, I want to put in a new vanity. I want to tile the tub. I want to put in new floors and a new mirror. Here's how much I think it's going to cost. And that way, you can send that to your management company. I'll send a video of you walking the unit as well. Send that to your management company and say, hey, I know you couldn't come, but I wanted to go ahead and put this kind of visual presentation together for you. I've got pictures of all the different things that I have included in my renovation budget, as well as my projected costs. Can you please go ahead and take a look at the pictures and let me know, A, do I actually need to fix this? And B, am I in the right ballpark with these prices or am I just way off? Again, it's not going to be as good and as accurate as them actually coming to you in person because, again, you're only taking pictures of what you can actually see. But it's much better than just trying to do the whole thing by yourself. And once you've done that and you've gone home and you've confirmed everything or changed and made your adjustments, the next step is to determine if you're ready to submit an offer on the property, which is what we'll, we will talk about in the next series. So it's been long overdue, but this concludes the eight-part series on how to underwrite a value-add apartment deal. And to reiterate, step one, read through the OM. Step two, input the rent roll into your cash flow calculator. Step three, input the T12 into your cash flow calculator. Step four, set your assumptions. Step five, determine an offer price. Step six, perform an online rental comparable analysis. Step seven, perform a phone call or in-person rental comp analysis. And step eight is to visit the property in person. I guess technically step nine is to go ahead and review all the information that you gathered from step six through eight in order to confirm or adjust any assumptions that you have made. So to listen to parts one through seven, to listen to other syndication school series about the how-tos of apartment syndications, and to download the free documents for this series, which is the simplified cash flow calculator and that rent comp template go to syndicationschool.com. Thank you for listening, and I will talk to you next week. I know some of you out there are just starting your fix and flip journey. Before you do, let me tell you about an opportunity where your money works for you instead of you working for it. Building Bits is offering anyone 
and I mean anyone, the opportunity to invest in commercial real estate and receive the dividends and value appreciation from the sale. Here's how it works. First, you choose a building and invest. Second, once the building is acquired, you start to receive potential quarterly dividends. Third, once the building sells, you get any of the appreciated value from it. See, money working for you, not you working for the money. Start today at buybits.us forward slash flip. The offering circular is available at buildingbits.com.